This is episode 79 of the Get In My Garden podcast. I'm Aaron Moskowitz, and today we meet Hunter Buffington, executive director of the Hemp Feed Coalition. We talk hemp as an animal feed, why it isn't legal yet, some of the roadblocks in the U.S. and Canada, and how the Hemp Feed Coalition is working to change this. Then Hunter shares details about cannabis plant byproducts, many of these potentially being animal feed. We learn a few specific ways that listeners can be involved with progressing the agenda of the Hemp Feed Coalition directly. Then details about clinical feed trials that need to take place, and some of the current research about bioaccumulation in the cannabis plant. Hemp is sure to change the nutritional makeup of the food we eat and offer promise for carbon sequestration and regenerative farming. At the end of this interview, Hunter mentions some of the amazing technology being created now using hemp byproducts, and then finally, where she thinks the hemp market is headed in the next 10 to 20 years. Thanks for listening. Follow this podcast on Instagram at GetInMyGarden. Send me an email at Aaron at GetInMyGarden.com and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen from. Thank you so much for doing this, Hunter. It's really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. I did get a chance to listen to um, some of your videos that were on Facebook, um, uh, but I also found you on I found you on LinkedIn, and uh, I was kind of surprised that they don't allow people to feed their animals hemp. Yeah, um, you know, it used to be when I first got this job and really started working on hemp as an animal feed that the most common question I got was, is it going to get my cows high? (laughs) And, you know, a year and a half, almost two years into it. Now that is in fact, the most common question that I get is really just shock that it's not um, a viable animal feed, or at least not a legal animal feed, even though we of course have been eating it ourselves and feeding it to our animals for millennia at this point. And currently they do feed it around the world to animals. Isn't that true? Yeah, some countries are uh, exactly the same process that we are in that it has to go through a legal approval. The Canadian Hemp Trade Alliance is a close uh, strategic partner with the Hemp Feed Coalition because, in fact, it's not legal to feed it in Canada either. And they definitely have a 10-year head start um, after prohibition with hemp than we do. So it's not uncommon. I also have colleagues in Australia and New Zealand that are working to get their federal approval so that they can feed it in their own countries as well. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and so what, what roadblocks do we face right now in our country? Yeah, that's a, a great question. I mean, there's, there's a couple. So the first one is really the prohibition and the impact that that had on our access, our understanding, and even the ability, obviously, to produce hemp in the United States. So that's one of the big barriers is that it is almost like a brand new crop, even though in the U.S. we have a really extensive history with hemp, you know, through the colonization Mm -hmm. and through the world wars even. But after 88 years of, of not being able to cultivate it, we really are starting anew with this crop. So that's one big barrier. The second barrier is really the the process that we have to go through with the FDA and its Center for Veterinary Medicine in order to prove that this feed is safe 
and effective for animals. And this is really where I live most of my time because the process is quite complex. For example, each ingredient that we intend to feed. So for my purposes and the purposes of the Hemp Feed Coalition, our goal is to commoditize the waste and byproducts that comes from the production and processing of hemp. Ah. So the majority of hemp seed is crushed for oil for human consumption, and it leaves behind a number of byproducts. So hemp seed meal is one of those byproducts. So are the holes if you... Um, pull the holes off so that you can have just hemp hearts. Then we also have filtrate. And of course, we have the pulp material from the extraction of cannabinoids. So all of those byproducts, each one of those is considered a potential animal feed ingredient. So once we identify that ingredient, we then have to go through and really thoroughly investigate its nutritional and contaminant composition so we have to be able to show that this source of food is really consistent, which again, going back to the, the first problem of not really having as much history recently with this crop is to be able to show homogeneity across the country in different growing regions with different varietals. All of the, the reasons why we love cannabis are some of the challenges that we have in showing that it is in fact consistent and across all of the United States. So we do that as our primary role in submitting applications for animal feed ingredient approval. The Hemp Feed Coalition is really gathering that information from across producers and, and processors from the United States. So it's a big way that any of your listeners could in fact help us to reach these goals is if they have certificates of analysis for any of these byproducts that they would like to share with us so that we can present this case, we need between 30 and 40 certificates of analysis from across the country to really show that this product is consistent. Then wow. the, the final step is to be able to conduct clinical feed trials for each of the species and categories that we intend to feed it to. So for example, um, we just submitted the first application for a hemp animal feed ingredient. It was in fact meal. So that's the, the um, extruded seed cake that comes from crushing the oil seeds. And its purpose is to be fed to laying hens. So not only do we go through all the steps to define the ingredient and show it's safe, we then have to do clinical feed trials for those laying hens. And we would also have to do feed trials for broiler chickens. So for the ones that we want to eat. I see. So it's quite a complex process. And there's a number of ingredients and of course, a myriad number of species and types of species. Yeah, that's definitely a question that I have. <laughs> but um, first, what you said about people being able to do trials, what would be the size of somebody's farm if they were going to do trials like that? And how would they present that to you? Yeah, so um, for anyone that is producing hemp um, and actually processing it, so anyone that has um, certificates of analysis that can show like protein content, if there's any residual pesticides or heavy metals that show up in those plants, those are the kinds of information that would be really helpful for us on the certificate of analysis side. And I'm happy to give uh, anybody more information about that. 
on the animal side, it's quite tricky to conduct clinical feed trials to the level that the FDA CBM wants to see privately. Not that it can't be done. And, uh, and there are absolutely folks out there who have been able to help us with anecdotal research. But the qualifications um, around protocols and methods that the FDA want to see in those clinical trials can be really hard to achieve in a normal feeding setting. Uh-huh. Gotcha. And as far as, uh, I mean, I've covered a lot of different subjects surrounding hemp or cannabis, and I know that it's a bioaccumulator. So uh, does that differentiate it from other feed crops? And does that put a, I mean, is, is, does it mean that no matter what, there will always have to be extra testing? That's a really great question. I think that might be one of my favorites. Um, so it, it definitely goes back to my earlier statement when I said we don't know that much about this crop or as much as we should because of prohibition. And so one of the extra challenges that we have with this particular plant, cannabis, because of its phytoremediative properties and um, all of the wonderful things that we love about it, goes back to that question of safety and, and homogeneity. So in addition to the normal amounts that uh, of data that we would be asked to provide to the FDA, Center for Veterinary Medicine, we've also been asked to provide an expanded um, list of results from across the country. And that's because that is in fact one of the concerns is that if you have a soil that you're growing hemp in and it's high in certain heavy metals, that those will in fact be found in the cannabis plant. So we, along with other organizations, are really trying to gather enough information and enough evidence to determine a couple things. The first is for those heavy metals, if you do have heavy metals in your soil, where is it that the cannabis plant stores them when it takes it up from the soil? Uh -huh. It's very possible that a lot of the plant could in fact still be used for feed or food, but it's one of the areas that we have to learn more about. Um, and there's certainly a lot of other ways to use that, that plant material. Well, that's really interesting information about the plant. So I didn't really think about that. Like there might be parts of the plant that don't accumulate and we don't, we're still researching that, I guess. Um, yeah, a great way to think of it is that the, the seed, which is, of course, the, the reproductive aspect of the plant, is really protected from a lot of those contaminations because the plant itself wants to protect and encapsulate that genetic material. So we, we can make some assumptions that the seed's going to be one of the parts of the plant to, to be least impacted by those contaminants. But again, research is going to be key. Makes sense. And let's see, as far as comparing it to other animal feeds, I mean, obviously it's, it is a new market, so there's huge opportunity, but, uh, most people that I know, uh, don't, don't think that feeding animals grains and corn is a good thing. Um, but it's this, it's definitely the status quo. Um, are there comparisons to be made? Like as far as uh, heavy metals, fungus, things like that. And how is that, uh, I guess, how is that monitored in existing feed crops? Yeah, absolutely. So um, all of the, the feed sources that we have do have to go through testing. 
there's uh, guaranteed labels that we're required to put on not only animal feed, but also human food. So any of you that, that have bottles sitting at home, you know, you definitely, I don't know if, if there's folks who are label readers out there, but <laughs> I definitely am. It may be a hazard of the job. So am I. <laughs> but we do absolutely have to test that material. And there's quite a lot of rigor that goes into testing animal feed. Um, and and I would I would say even more so than than what happens on the human food side of it. When it comes to uh, hemp as a comparable animal feed, it's easier to think of it as an oil seed. So these are your products like camelina or even soybeans that uh, have a little bit of a different consistency and composition nutritionally than what your grains will. So hemp is, is spectacular in that it has a 30% uh, protein. This is in hemp seed meal mm -hmm. and a 10% fat content. So as a feed source, it's really got, it packs quite a punch nutritionally. There's a lot of other reasons though, to think of hemp as a good food source. Um, one of those is that, again, we're looking really at the, the waste and byproducts. So these are materials that currently don't have a market mm -hmm. and they're that highly nutritious. So we should absolutely be using them as a feed source. The other thing to consider as well is that we have a lot of farmers who are actually growing hemp for whatever reasons, whether it's for the oil seed, if it's for fiber or even for that flower material. So we have a lot of this material, tons of this material sitting in warehouses or stored that it doesn't really have a home um, or a purpose right now simply because we have this lack of recognition. So it's really important that we commoditize those waste streams for our farmers. Also, we have a lot of small producers who are not only farming hemp, but then they've got their own livestock um, that they're feeding as well. Those kinds of vertical integrative opportunities for an agricultural segment and production is really a fantastic way that hemp could hit the mainstream, if you will, um, without even leaving the family farm. That's so great. Well, so also, I guess, I mean, that makes perfect sense. I'm very interested in the macros of it. Uh, it seems like a much healthier food source, particularly, isn't it filled with omega-3s, which is a fat that is ideal for humans to eat? Yeah. Absolutely. It's got all the essential amino acids as well as the essential fatty acids, but you hit on the, the real pivotal aspect when we talk about fatty acids and that's this three, six, nine ratio of omegas. So for humans, it's a complete protein and a complete source of healthy fats mm. as well. And of course, you know, we are what we eat, not only on eating the hemp side of it, but also the animals that consume that hemp as well. Yeah, I was. I'm very interested in that because you know when when the food when the meat product gets to a store, and if I mean you're talking about eggs, meat, and other. I mean even probably so dairy would be affected too. But uh, ruminant animals, I guess, with multiple stomachs, then they apparently can process grains a little bit better. But still, if you're feeding. Well, particularly I heard chickens, they did some research on chickens fed grains and they could detect that 
if you have a ruminant animal eating something that isn't an ideal food source, going through the stomach multiple times or through their multiple stomachs, and I'm not an expert on this, but the bacterial component and the fermentation can make it a little bit safer to eat the final product. But with chickens, they're just, whatever they eat, it's going right into their bodies. So um, to give them a source that's high, you know, better macros seems like a really perfect situation. Um, but also, uh, the ecological benefits. So you're talking about the waste products, but is there research that you know about, uh, with the soil as far as, I mean, the hemp market, um, what it can do for restoring soil or, uh, potentially the carbon footprint. Absolutely. And this is one of my favorite things about the the cannabis plant. And it's the reason that I really fell in love with hemp way back, you know, before uh, it was legal to grow it, let alone consume it um, in, in any of the myriad ways that we have now. But it was really the carbon sequestration and regenerative farming aspect. When we think about this plant and, you know, yourself and, and your listeners have probably heard the, the plant of 25,000 uses and um, just recently, one of my colleagues told me that that I was spreading this information, and it's now the plant of thirty thousand uses. Oh wow! <laughs> but the the reality is that uh, I don't know of another crop that we can use for building material. One of my favorite things about uh, specifically hemp is hempcrete, which is concrete made out of the the thick herd fibers is actually carbon sequestering for the entire time that it takes for that hempcrete to dry, which can be a decade. Wow. So it's pulling carbon from the air as it's in fact drying. And, and this is not even the plant, right? This is a byproduct of that plant used for construction. So the soil remediation um, is a huge opportunity for, for us to provide our farmers with a tool, another resource to help keep their soils healthy um, there's a lot of, of conservation around water that is intriguing. You know, I'm here in Colorado. We're definitely a semi-arid desert. And I have producers in Nevada and California that are really excited about the, the kind of water conservation that they see with this crop. So it's not just, you know, the, the health benefits for our animals and ourselves in consuming it but it's really this opportunity to um, clean our soils, clean our air, sequester carbon in ways that we've never really considered before. And, and I would just like to challenge everyone out there that just imagine what we could do for our environment if we replaced some of our concrete, some of it, just some of it. Imagine how much is around the world with this hempcrete material and let it pull carbon out of the air for 10 years. That's just amazing to even think about that that's an opportunity and again we're, we're really just scratching the surface with this crop yeah that's really amazing i'm excited to see what happens i mean it seems like it's the answer to several of our problems and also you know the status quo with grains is just appalling and what what it does to the soil and i think now we've kind of hit the uh, I guess it's peaked as far as in people's awareness that soil is one of the answers to fix the environment. And uh, But I love what you're doing, and I love that the Hemp Feed Coalition is 
taking an economic view of it because that's a big part of the puzzle, you know, to make it make it make sense economically. Absolutely. And, and, you know, um, farming is, is not for the meek. I can't tell you how much respect I have for farmers. I do not have a green thumb. I definitely come from more of the livestock background growing up in Wyoming, (laughs) but you know, obviously I I like to eat foods. Great. Um, and I think that our farmers just need some more resources. Um, and also again, commoditizing every part of the supply chain and making sure that, that we make agriculture not only sustainable for the environment, but also a way to feed families. That's great. Well, fast forwarding about 20 years, if you were to guess, and hopefully everything that all the work that you're doing will pay off. And uh, where do you see us as far as our, you know, this, how will hemp revolutionize farming and where will we be at in 20 years? Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if anyone, Aaron has ever asked me to think about 20 years out. So, you know, a lot of the the work that I do um, is really the three to 10 years for the supply chain. Okay. And so for me, you know, three to 10 years looks like hemp processing across the country that every state has some sort of processing facility. But what I would love to see in 20 years is that we are starting to replace concrete with hempcrete and that we're using all of the parts of the plant, you know, not just focusing on the flower material or the herd material, but rather that the whole plant is being utilized in some way. And I would also love to see us with bioplastics, no more microplastics in the ocean, but a truly regenerative um, way for us to produce that plastic. And that would also mean a lot more rural jobs and economic opportunities um, for, for all of the uses for this plant. I mean, I'm talking airplanes made out of hemp, plastic, wow. and too. And um, there's just so many opportunities when it comes to applications for this plant. I mean, I get really excited. I don't know if you get excited about graphene and, and batteries, but I think that's the real future of hemp when we look that far out. Wow. What does that mean exactly? So um, I think really what it means is enough material um, being produced in the United States to give our research and development teams the, the kind of biomass that they need in herd material or stock, play with it and see what it wants to be when it grows up. How do we have the, you know, the opportunities to also manipulate the genetics for this plant to produce biochemicals that can be used in this way. That's a really exciting horizon that we haven't gotten to yet with this plant. And when I think 20 years, that's what I hope to see. Wow, that is a great vision. I mean, it's amazing what they're doing now just with, I don't believe, any genetic modification. They're just, um, by crossbreeding, it's amazing. So I'm sure we'll know a lot more about it. Thanks for listening. Follow this podcast on Instagram at GetInMyGarden. Send me an email at Aaron at GetInMyGarden.com and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen from.